Good morning from the United States. And um, again, it's an, an honor and a privilege to be able to speak with you um, over these thousands of miles uh, via uh, recording and Facebook and YouTube, and now uh, a website that I have as a patriarch, uh, which is um, bishopbatescec.org. And you can go out there and find all kinds of teachings that I'm doing. But this isn't really a teaching. It's a uh, and um, it's a sermon, but it's more than that. I want to take some time um, with you to reflect on uh, what it means to be the first, what it means to have the first anniversary of the death of uh, our primate, um, Bishop, Archbishop Ricardo. So let's just pray. Father, uh, open our minds and our hearts uh, to hear from you. Uh, let your words bring comfort as well as challenge, as we remember the faith and the ministry of uh, Archbishop Dick. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I remember the first time I uh, met Archbishop. It was the summer of 2000 in San Clemente, California. It was the first international convocation of uh, the ICCC. We knew that, that the bishops from the Philippines uh, were coming, and that was exciting to all of us in America. There was actually, I believe, even a contingent of Filipino priests and, and, um, and Filipino lay people at the convocation. It was an exciting, exciting time. Um, and, and I remember when I met him, it was the first night of the convocation of the opening Eucharist. And all the bishops were going to be in the procession. And we lined up, uh, as we still do, in order of our consecration, except for uh, uh, the patriarch, uh, which now I am. And so when I line up, I'm always last. But... At that time, I was the bishop of the Diocese of Northeast. I was a new bishop, uh, only consecrated three years. And um, we got in line, and around me, surrounding me online, I forget who was exactly next to me, uh, were uh, Archbishop uh, Dick. At that time, it was Bishop Dick, uh, Bishop uh, Romundo, and Bishop Lilly. And I believe Bishop Paul was there as well, although he was in a different place in line. But those three bishops were consecrated right around the same time that I was consecrated a bishop. So we stood in line any time an international gathering for quite a while. But it's there that I got to know Bishop Dick, and we, and we got to share, so standing in line and talking about things. And uh, every night, the convocation, there'd be just about 10 to 15 minutes um, waiting in line, and then we would be sitting next to each other when we got into the sanctuary, because as, as we processed in, we'd go, each go to uh, our seats, and so there I sat in the midst of the, the bishops from, uh, uh, from the Philippines. I don't remember much of the conversations we had. I'm sure they were good, and what I do know is that I enjoyed talking with the bishops, and I found out that uh, Bishop Ricardo was coming out 
uh, after the convocation, he was coming east uh, to New York, and he was going to visit an uncle uh, who lives uh, not far from where my cathedral is located. And I invited him to come and stay with us and to preach uh, that Sunday. And I don't remember the, the content of the sermon. It's, it's uh, again, a long time ago. And, uh, but I remember a word of encouragement in that it was, really, it was received well uh, by, um, <clears throat> by the congregation. And he was able to give images and, and picture stories of the United States uh, and uh, even, even rock and roll music. Um, but the sermon was Christ-centered. It was, it was about it was having faith in Jesus and, and believing. The other thing I remember is how good uh, the bishop's English was. Um, he actually spoke English like an American. He had, he had a, uh, in some words, he actually had a New York accent. And it caused me later that day at dinner to ask him if he was raised in America or if he spent a lot of time in America. And, uh, and he said no, uh, but rather that he learned English uh, and American English uh, from watching American television, particularly uh, Law and Order shows and West Cowboy Westerns. And I just thought that was great. Um, and uh, it was amazing to me. Um, I really liked and appreciated, appreciated this man of God um, from that moment on. And that sentiment only grew over the years as we began to travel together, uh, and, and uh, particularly, after, especially after I became the patriarch, and got together in uh, the United States, in Europe, in the Philippines, as we ministered together uh, in good times, exciting times, as well as uh, some hard, difficult times in the life of the church. We, uh, we would fellowship together whenever we, uh, we were in the Philippines or he was in Europe or States. Every night, we would gather around good food and good conversation, and um, Bishop Dick liked good food. Um, and and um, what he really liked was uh, hamburgers. And uh, I remember him ordering at the hotel where I stayed, always ordered the, the, uh, the cheeseburger and french fries. Um, we had good conversation, a lot of good discussions around theology. Um, we didn't share the same understanding of the end times, but we both believed uh, that Jesus was coming back again and, uh, and, and the importance of Israel. And we went together to Israel twice. Uh, Bishop joined me uh, on a pilgrimage uh, and we prayed together there. And through all of this, all those guys, our wives got to know each other. Kathy and Nemia uh, became friends, and we particularly appreciated the the ministry that uh, St. Michael's through Nemia would give to us every time we were in Kalibo. So my relationship with the primate grew, grew and more, and I admired and loved him more as a person. He was truly a, a brother and a friend. And um, my, one of the highlights of my life uh, was the installation 
of the Archbishop as the primate in Southeast, in, in Southeast Asia, in Asia, um, and the convocation uh, for, of celebrating 40 years and the great job that he did and, and uh, the work with the, with the young adults who have now picked up the light and are carrying on. The news of his sickness um, and then shortly after his death was emotionally hard for me. I know Archbishop is in heaven uh, because of his faith in Jesus and what Jesus accomplished. And I know too that he is praying for us. I know especially he's praying for his wife and children who love them. And he prays for the cathedral and the diocese family who he also loved very much. It was in his very core, uh, very being to love you at the cathedral. I also hope and pray he's praying for me and I believe he is. So today we come having memories of the Archbishop. I know especially Nemi and the children who call him dad have memories and those memories are so important. We'll reflect on them today. And some suggest that as memories, those memories and talking about those memories are uh, a way of keeping our loved ones alive in our hearts. At the same time, we know our grieving, though less frequent than it was a year ago, is nonetheless because we miss Archbishop and our missing him is evidence of how much we loved him. And we come with that and we rejoice. We rejoice because in Jesus, we will see him again. We will be completely immersed in the love of God and the forgiveness of God and in the worship of God before the throne. An archbishop is there and we will be there complete and fully human in the life of God. We await that joy that is set before us. Let's just take a look briefly uh, at the gospel this morning. The passage that we read is part of a transition in Mark's gospel. The first three chapters, or the first um, nine chapters, about eight and a half chapters actually, we talk about the early years of the ministry of Jesus, how he was healed the sick, cast out demons, uh, cured lepers. It was, it's a story of, of a God who is servant to the people and loves, loves the people uh, by bringing healing to them as he does today. The second half of the Gospel of Mark, up until chapter 16, tells us about the last week of the ministry of Jesus. So chapters one through nine, or one through eight and a half, are the first three years, from eight and a half on are one week, the last week of the life of Jesus. His entry into Jerusalem, the Last Supper, the first Eucharist, his betrayal and arrest, his trial, his scourging, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And what Mark is telling us is that last week is not only the greatest love story ever told, 
And it's important to tell the love story. It's the greatest love story ever lived. On the cross, Jesus is going to make known to us the love of God, but more importantly, the love of God in the flesh, in being human. So when we look at a crucifix or we look at, to the cross, what we are to see and what we do see is love. And we see the mercy that flows from that love. We see the forgiveness that flows from that love. We see the compassion that flows from that love, the healing that flows from that love, the deliverance that flows from that love. And all of these, all of this love, all of these attributes are not coming from some superman, but they're coming from a human being, God, who is human, God, who is the who Jesus, who is the perfect image of God and the perfect image of what it means for you and I to be human, to be people, and to love and to be loved. Jesus is showing life as it's intended to be lived. That the life of the cross, which is the life of living for another person, of giving one's total life to another, is what is meant to be fully and completely human. And that's why we come this morning and look at Jesus on the cross and as he's going to be, the story's going to be presented in the Eucharist, and we worship. And we must worship him because he is God. The resurrection, which was just a few days later after Jesus had defeated sin and hell in the shedding of his blood for the love of us, and forgive the sins of the whole world. God raises him from the death. Hence, what he does is he defeats death forever. Listen, nothing is greater or more powerful than the love and mercy of God. No sin, no, no hurt, no disease, no uh, anything in heaven and on earth is greater or more powerful than the love and mercy of God. That's what the resurrection tells us. That whatever we might be going through, it's not the end. There's more. This is our hope. It is not you know, a, a hope that's in, in vain. When we look at death and we see through the eyes of the cross, through the eyes of Jesus, and we see what awaits, Jesus said, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the suffering of the cross. See, when we look, we look at the, the death of our primate and we think about it today, we don't want to stop at the death. We've got to look through it, through the death, and to see where Bishop Dick is right now and the joy that he's in. Incredible reward. And that, brothers and sisters, that awaits us. That's what is before us. This is the hope that we experience every Sunday when we come to the Eucharist. We behold Jesus. When the priest says, behold the Lamb of God, we behold Jesus really present in bread and wine. And that vision, that vision of, of the cross, 
allows us to know that in a moment we're going to eat his flesh and drink his blood. While at the very same time that that bread and wine is the food of healing for our souls, it is also the food of the feast of the bride. How blessed we are to come to the supper of the Lamb, the wedding feast that we're all going to be a part of. See, when we encounter death, we really encounter the joy of the eternity with Jesus. We come, uh, we come into his presence, the joy that's been set before us. This morning, at the Eucharist, is that moment. You know, we, we come, we all have a past. I have a past, and um, it's important to remember some of the things from the past. I've learned a great deal from the past. The past gives me identity and who my parents and where I came from, but I'm not my past. I'm not my past. I'm not defined by, certainly not by the sins of the past. And then when I look into the future, I realize death is not the end, but that I do have a future, that God has a future, future for us. And we think about that, we think about where we're going, but life is lived, not in the past or in the future, life is lived right now, knowing we've been forgiven, knowing that we've been healed, knowing that we're heading to victory, seeing the love and mercy of God. And that allows us to look into the future and see dreams and visions from God. We all have those dreams and visions for our children and, and dreams and visions for our husband or our wife or, or to have a husband or a wife, a dream and a vision for education, all those dreams and visions because we're reminded that God has a good plan for us. Not an easy plan, by the way, but it's a good plan. But where we live is right now, right now, in this Eucharist, is the moment that we are in the presence of God. It's this moment where we live, with all the people who are gathered around us on each side, and with the whole communion of saints, we'll say with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, and all our loved ones who have gone before us, including the Archbishop, they're with us in this Eucharist. And we worship Jesus. There's nothing more important on earth than what we're doing at St. Michael's in Kalimo. And we focus not on the things in our lives that are going well or not going well. We focus on the one who is on the throne, the one who loves us. We focus on Jesus and we put our faith in Jesus who is really present and in us. Christ in us, says the hope of glory. Because we are in him and he is in us alive today, we have resurrection life. We're a resurrection people. We're a people of life out of death, of hope out of hopelessness, of joy that the Bible says is new every morning. Archbishop Dick, I know, planted seeds of faith in each of us. That's just what he did. He was a faith preacher. 
And that seed has come to harvest and is coming to harvest. The CEC for which he labored tirelessly. The harvest is coming. It's going to grow from St. Michael's in Kaliba. New churches everywhere, new souls being one for Christ. Let us pray. Let us pray this morning. If you're discouraged and can't see the tomorrow of God for you today, let's pray for you to have eyes to see Jesus in your midst. That during the prayer, the communion, when the bread and wine becomes the body and blood of Jesus, and in your receiving communion, we pray that you may know he is present and is healing you in this very moment, that this time is your time, this moment is your moment. This is what eternity is all about. Father, I thank you for those who have gathered today. We remember the life of, of Archbishop Primate. We come with thanksgiving for him, for his family. We pray an outpouring of your spirit this morning uh, in this Eucharist, in this gathering. We're asking for an increase as we water the seeds that have been planted by uh, the primate and others who ministered and toiled in this harvest field. And Lord, we want you to bring us to see the future that is before us in our families, in our children, in Kalibo, in St. Michael's, and especially in the CEC in Asia and around the world. Send that blessing, Lord. We live in expectation of you and you alone. You are our everything and you will be our everything for eternity. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day forever. Amen. Remember to go out to uh, um, Bishop Bates, C-E-C, uh, org, and join me for other uh, reflections and teachings, and uh, it'll be exciting as we journey together. Amen.